with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, Paul, Wayne, I'm fresh back from my tour with the Army of the Dead. As am I. I yeah. saw it last night. Uh, so we're recording this the day after its release. It released on Netflix on Friday, May 21st. And, uh, you know, what's funny is that I heard several reviews of it uh, yesterday uh, before watching it. And I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this thing or not. And I'm kind of glad that I heard some negative reviews about it because I went in with uh, sort of low expectations. And Paul, just, you know, to be completely upfront, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. That's interesting. I haven't seen a single negative review about it yet. I I, I heard several very critical reviews, uh, you know, largely about how long it is. And it is a long film. It is almost two and a half hours long, and which is long for a zombie movie. But, Paul, I'm curious. What do you think? You know, I will say um, I don't have a glowing review of it. While uh, so, let me preface this by saying you guys know I'm a Zack Snyder fan, yeah. not just because of Justice League. And I apologize for the background noise, uh, new home stuff uh, going on in the background. Um, so, you know, outside of Justice League, I've always been a Zack Snyder fan. I loved Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, and so, and Dawn of the Dead is probably one of my favorite zombie films of all time. Yeah, that, 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 you know, I did not realize that that was a Zack Snyder joint until Army of the Dead. Yeah. You and know, it's, I, it's, it's such and, a great movie for him in his first movie, his first theatrical movie. Yeah. And I, I, I did really enjoy Dawn of the Dead. You know, it was a, it was a different take on, on zombies. Uh, you know, certainly a different take on, on the George Romero film. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a great cast and was heartbreaking in places. Um, and, and you know, I, it, it, was, it was a zombie film with a lot of heart in it. And I, and I, I enjoyed that. A lot, a lot of heart that you can eat and experience. <laughs> and so yeah army of the dead you know i went in with I, I will say you know higher expectations just because i'm a fan and because of dawn of the dead yeah but you know for i, I thought it was okay um i thought it was uh, while there were it was definitely visually arresting um you know and, and zach snyder is that yeah is is a, certainly a fan of blurry uh, filmmaking, filming, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think part of that is just based on the fact that he had to replace one of the actors digitally throughout the entire film. Well, he also um, functioned as DP on this film. He wasn't yeah. just the director, co-writer and producer. He was also the director of photography. Yeah. And you know, I watched the making of after I watched uh, Army of the Dead. And oh, where's the making of? Is it's it on, on Netflix. Netflix as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I called Creating that. the Army of the Dead. Huh, okay. and, and it is fascinating because he 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 essentially uses uh, uh, a camera a, a a I forget the name of this special camera that he's using, and then he's got these two special you know analog lenses that he's using, and he's not using any stops on on the uh, the filming that they're doing. So you know he really sort of challenged the production team on how they were going to do this to, to be able to integrate the digital uh, effects, which I think they did a marvelous job on into the very old yeah. school sort of photography they did. And um, he doesn't let them use chairs. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know if you sure guys saw the story. quite the thing that he, I don't think that quite came out the way he intended it, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the articles about that. That was a, that's a decision. He thinks that, if you uh, have chairs, then people aren't working. And if you have chairs, they're not as close. This is not the only director that does that. There are a couple of directors that 
just don't allow chairs on their sets. When I used to work for the state of Texas, you know, one of the things as a state employee that you love is when you go into meetings because you can milk those things into being an all-day event, right, and not have to get anything done. Because when, when you work in government, it's not what you accomplish. It's how hard you work. <laughs> and uh, so in my staff meetings, I took the chairs out. And let me tell you, staff meetings last 10 minutes when people can't sit down. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so Zack Snyder and Aaron, very, very you know, two, two sides of the same coin. I definitely plan on watching the movie because, yeah, I'm very critical of Zack Snyder with superhero things. But, you know, it's not that I know he's a talented director. I just don't think he's right for superhero stories. I think for zombie stories, yeah, and I'm a big zombie fan. Well, and yeah, I, I found this oh, I, I found this to be a rather superhero-esque zombie film. Mm-hmm. There were yeah, a lot of there were a lot of hero moments in this film. It's very video game-ish. It in, is. In its yeah. um, in its storyline, in its um, you know, portrayal and, and filming and, and the characters and you know, I, I will say I, there are aspects of it I really enjoyed. And I didn't dislike the film. I know I'm being critical of it, and I think that's just because I what it boils down to is for me it was a bit overlong and had some pacing problems. Yeah. Um Yeah, it, no, it's yeah. a Zack Snyder film. It it, yeah, I mean, it hardcore needed an editor. I mean, because there's at least twenty minutes that could have come out of that film. Yeah. So and I will again, say, it's you know, a Zack Snyder film. Uh, you know, I hear you on that way, but at the same time, I, I think Justice League moved along at a better clip than this and was an, oh, you know, an hour and 45 minutes longer. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it's, I don't know. I like, I, I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to rush back and see it, but I will say the, the issues were more in the pacing than in the direction or the issues were in the editing room, right? They weren't in the yeah. directing. They weren't in the filmmaking, the special effects, the acting wasn't in the I mean, cast, all of that. except for the guy they fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for the guy they fired. But I got to tell you, the fact that they replaced him with Tig Notaro was she was brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, highlighted the film. I, I, I thought I'm. Oh yeah. I, spoilers. I was deeply surprised that Tig Notaro's character dies at the end of the movie. Um, I, because I was like, well, she's got to be the one person who survives this, right? <laughs> I mean, well, we don't know that she's dead. True. She, true. She could just be passed out. True. She because there's also be... the other character that they spent the entire film saving that kind of just doesn't show up in that right. final scene. Right. Um, and Wayne, I know we're spoiling a lot for you, so I'm just going to caution you if you want to take your headphones off because I'm going to kind of reveal something pretty significant here. Um, one of the aspects of the film that I l- liked was that even though it's not like hammered over your head, it's pretty clear that we're dealing with some type of alien infection mm-hmm. and perhaps even, you know, perhaps even patient zero is in fact some type of alien because, you know, they, they, the, the infection, you know, the patient zero comes from area 51 and some of the zombies have glowing eyes and right. explode blue when, yeah. when they're shot in the head. And I'm like, hold on. Well, why the, did that happen? <laughs> there were clearly this is setting up additional films, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's already been a prequel that's been announced. Oh, yeah. Um, but the when the coyote is taking them into Vegas and points out to all of the dried and withered zombies that are just sort of encrusted across the landscape. And she goes, yeah, when it rains, they come back to life. You can bet that gets paid off 
in in another film, oh, yeah. right? I mean, and that is that is I, I kept expecting there to be a rainstorm in this episode in this movie, uh, and us have to you know deal with that. Um, I don't think I, they could fit any more in, but yeah, that, that definitely right. seemed like setting up something, especially yeah. the fact that you know they're they're going to if, if this film does well, you know, there's clearly some type of Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I love the idea, you know, because the, the plane was going to Mexico City, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I love that idea, you know. Uh, now, I, I got to tell you, this this movie hit me uh, kind of where I live because it while it is not the same, there are certain elements to this story that remind me very much of my zombie game, you know, in, in the, the tiers of zombies and, you know, the upper tier of zombies are actually alive in some way. You know, it seemed it, 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 it kind of felt like maybe Zack Snyder was sitting at my table at one time, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I got a real kick out of that. I also, you know, we've got these alpha level zombies, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, Zeus being, you know, perhaps patient zero, uh, and then his bride, the queen, the relationship between them. I mean, I, I when again, spoilers guys, uh, when the, the queen is taken out, I mean, I, I legitimately felt so, I mean, that, that was a, a big part of the feel for me was, oh no. I really liked her. <laughs> yeah, and, and now they're all going to die. Yeah, and, and you know, um, Zeus you know, is going to have to put a hard kill on you guys. This is definitely, like I mentioned, video games, role-playing games, you know, comic yeah. books. This is not your standard zombie film, you know. Yeah. And though Walking Dead is, of course, based on a comic, it's based on a comic that emulates zombie movies. Right. This is a zombie movie by way of the media that we enjoy. Yep. Um, like you said, it's got a superhero element to it with the big hero moment and Dave Batista, you know, kind of being this larger than life guy. Um, you know, all the characters have skill sets. You know, you've got your your computer person, your hacker, well, not your hacker, but your safe person, your pilot. You know, like yeah. it, it is like a role playing game or a comic book or a video game. And um, I, there again, there are aspects of it I really enjoy. And I'd say I enjoyed more than I didn't. Uh, I think had they trimmed out that 20 minutes that we were referring to, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. You know, it is uh, very much as if Steven Soderbergh shot a zombie film you know because it's it's very much oceans 11 meets the undead <laughs> right um, mm-hmm. and the only i mean there there are some some real that guys in in this film there are people that you recognize it just would have been cool if you could have had a brad pitt and a matt damon you know and all those guys be in the zombie movie because the things that i found particularly enjoyable about the film were the things that were very las vegas you know the fact that this all starts because you know a couple just got married in vegas and the guys getting a hummer going down the highway you know i mean that (laughs) that that it's it's hysterical to me that that, that's how the zombie apocalypse starts (laughs) uh the that you said that you weren't going to go back and rewatch it. The thing that I'm going to go back and rewatch, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have time between watching it last night and recording this morning. I want to go back and watch the opening credit sequence again. I uh, enjoyed that opening credit sequence, and I think there are probably more Easter eggs in there than exactly, I the first time. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's why I want to go back and rewatch it because you know I just I, I didn't stop it, I didn't rewind any any of that. But I know that there's a lot there, and it just seemed so visually rich that I want to go back and watch that again. But yeah, I you know I, I think I liked it better than you did, Paul. 
yeah, it seems like it, but it's still, you know, again, it's, I'd still say it's worth watching. Yeah. You know, and, and for Wayne, it's worth watching. It is, it is probably one of the higher end Netflix originals that I've seen. Um, you know, that was designed specifically for Netflix. I know Netflix has purchased movies. Right. But I'd say as far as one of the movies that's made for a streaming service, this is definitely kind of a higher end one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big zombie guy, so I'm going to be watching it. Yeah. There's a lot here to like. There's a lot here to like. The only scene that I had problems with, Paul, and it was the only scene that did not feel like Vegas to me, and that was when they decided to get off the street and go through the hotels. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've been to Vegas, Paul. You know that you can... You can travel through the hotels, briefly go outside, travel through the hotels, right? Um, Yeah, the one time I was in Vegas, I spent the first five days never leaving the motels because you don't need to. So they go in, that's their strategy, and this is something I understand, but they spend all this time moving in and amongst the shamblers, as they refer to them. And that just, there was no part of that, that just felt like a dark hallway. It didn't feel like anything. And you spent, there's an inordinate amount of time in that scene. And it's an important scene, don't get me wrong. But Mm. I really wish that there had been a better sense of setting in that space, because that could have just been anywhere. And yeah, you know, but I all think of a sudden, point, it ends up in one of the best sequences in the movie, Absolutely. which is that, that, that lady, you know, killing all those zombies. I mean, she is just so incredibly bad. A badass. wrecking machine is what yeah, she is. Yeah, it is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is super impressive, you know, kind of like uh, if you took John Wick and put him in a room of zombies, that's uh-huh. basically what she was. And I, I will say, you know, one of the... I, 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 I like when stories break the the stereotype. They they, they break the genre. Um, I really wish you know, we all know that in zombie movies it's the humans that, that are the really bad guys. They're the ones that are gonna fuck you over. In fact that's even said at one point in the film. You you don't see these guys fucking each other over, you know. Um I really wish that once we've identified who that guy is, we just shoot him. You just kill that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It happens. You know, I know we're spoiling the entire movie. What I'd say is find the time, watch it. It is definitely, you know, there's some, it is fun visually. I love seeing the Vegas strip in that. Yeah, that was you know, fun. It, it's, a, it's a different, you know, different take on the zombie And there genre. is an ass ton of CG in this, and it is yeah. exquisitely done. Yeah, I, other I, than the tiger, but other than that. Oh, I love I mean, the tiger. The tiger, I mean, the tiger was great. great. But, you know, I mean, definitely CG. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> but the you know, was not. They had, you know, I was watching the making of them, they had something like 140 extras. And they turned those 140 extras into like 10,000 zombies. And it's amazing. I mean, it is some of the best, uh, you know, Walking Dead zombie movie CG I've seen. It was just amazing. It's good stuff. I I, I recommend it. I, and again, it's too long, but you know you don't care. You're streaming it. You can pause yeah, exactly. it, get and go home. pee. You're not sitting at home. You're not. That's you know you can you can break it up into two parts or three parts. Yeah. And honestly, had the pacing issues probably would have worked better for me if it had been broken up into three forty-five minute parts. Yeah. Well, um, what I did is I poured myself a really big glass of scotch, and I had, had no problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in other media news, AT and T this week, you know, they're 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 announcing it as a I don't know what they, you know, they use some type of corporate buzzword, but the ultimate um, 
thing here is that AT&T sold Warner Media pretty much lock, stock, and barrel to yeah. Discovery. You know, uh, AT&T, for the duration of uh, the, the period that they've owned Warner, hasn't known what to do with it. They haven't known what to do with DC Comics. They haven't known what to do with the streaming services. They knew how those things sort of paired up into their wireless services, but they really didn't know how to turn this media into into a larger thing. And, and they've been constantly talking about the potential of getting rid of it. Right, yeah. right. So, I mean, it makes sense that they sold it off. I mean, uh, they've lost a ton of money on this business. Yeah. Well, they're just, it's weird. They're just not good at it, is yeah. what it boils down to. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just not their jam. And so I, I get why they're selling it. It's, I think, a $43 billion deal, but it includes yeah. HBO and HBO Max, Warner Brothers, CNN, Cartoon Network, um, Cinemax, TBS, TNT, Adult Swim, and of course, DC and DC Comics. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it will, and I think to, to offset the concern, that this was going to result in the death of DC Comics, there were a crap ton of DC announcements this week. Right. Um, you know, not so much in the comic realm, but in the the media realm, including um, the announcements of the Super Pets a reannouncement of the Super Pets movie because it had already been announced that that was coming, but they announced that Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be voicing Crypto the Super Dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they they announced directors for the Batgirl movie. Yeah, I'm excited about the Batgirl movie. I, I, uh, I, I, my ears really perked up about that. Yeah, I think the directors I think are the directors of Bad Boys for Life. Um, yes, is the, are the directors they yeah. got for Batgirl. Um, they announced an Injustice animated movie would be coming after uh, the Batman Long Halloween two part movie. That's pretty exciting. Though I kind of feel kind of feel like we've seen it given the uh, you know interstitial scenes in the Injustice game, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it feels like honestly, it feels like just flesh those out a little bit more, right? And be fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can on YouTube watch all of those scenes together, right? Yeah. right. And I will say, my preference is that they go with a, a CG animated style and not the hand drawn animated style. They haven't announced what they're doing, but right. I would I would prefer something that feels like extended video game cutscenes because those I, are so cinematic. They are, and that's my thing is. If you're going to do Injustice, it needs to be very cinematic in its approach. You need to have you know, a variety of camera angles. You need to – there needs to be some point of view shots, that kind of thing. I mean, it kind of like what we've seen in some of the more recent DC animated fare, like you know, Wonder Woman, for instance. You know, not Wonder Woman, yeah. uh, Justice Society was you know extremely well animated – like a, an actual film, you know, where you got point of view shots, you got power shots, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just, I just want to make sure that it's cinematic because so many times, uh, like any, like more than half of the Batman films they've made, uh, on these, uh, animated features, uh, have been just sort of by rote and, you know, they, yeah. they, they just seem like they're done on somebody's laptop. <laughs> well, it feels you like know. they're done via template, right? Yeah. I think that's the yeah, thing. Template. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fine Color with the house animation style, but Injustice for me just feels like, you know what? Give NetherRealm, whatever, $15 million, $20 million, you know, the company behind the game and just have them produce an hour and 15 minute long cutscenes. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's the right move to make this truly feel like an injustice movie versus, okay, we're going to go with our normal house style, right? You know, and, and make or or worse, 
try to fit the Injustice storyline within our current continuity. Well, and I, I, I got to say, Injustice has to be rated R. Yeah. It's got to be brutal. You know, well, and I think that's why they do it that way. That's why they do it animated. That's why they do it yeah. direct to video because that you know an R rated you know Superman movie isn't going to fly in in movie theaters, but it'll fly on um, yeah fly yeah. Um, <laughs> you know on, on direct to video right, or, right. or direct to you know TV uh, animation. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm actually very excited about Injustice. I think it's long overdue. Yeah, um, you know, but I, I I think it's about time. And um, I'm actually very excited that they announced. Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, and Bruce Timm would be teaming up for a new Batman Caped Crusader animated series. Yes. It is not a continuation of the previous Batman animated series, but looking at the designs, it seems very much set within the tone of the old, you know, the, the 30s Batman comics. Right. Um, it seems like they're going to kind of go with that that kind of art style, the long pointed ears, kind of curved pointed ears, um, you know, kind of that, that, that original, uh, design style, Bob Kane, um, design style. So I'm, I, I'm actually really excited about that. I wish they had Paul Dini on as part of that announcement because yeah. he's the real writing talent there. But, you know, I think we've got some good talent on that one. I can't remember if we shared this in our chat this week. But did you guys see that there is a Schumacher cut out there for, I think, Batman Forever? So there is a call for a Schumacher cut. There is a a longer version out there uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, that Schumacher did. It's not ready. You know, it's it's not out there like, okay, let's just release it because uh, there's no effects on it or anything. Right. But what I read is that it does exist and apparently makes it a much better film, according to those who have been exposed to it. Yeah. Uh, It's supposed to be a lot darker and well, you know, and uh, here's the thing. When when they say a lot darker, I kind of take that with a grain of salt (laughs) because, yeah, I've seen the only dark Joel Schumacher film I've ever seen was eight millimeter uh-huh. <laughs> and that was super dark. Don't get me wrong. Right. But he was still making a Batman movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the, the main element that was cut out of it was this kind of um, series of dream sequences where Bruce Wayne is dancing with a giant size bat. Um, yes. Kind of, that became kind of a recurring thread. It's in the trailer. Funny enough. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I've heard about the Schumacher cut. I, I have significantly less interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, if, if I never start hashtagging Paul, if no, I, not that one. If I never see another Schumacher Batman film, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, I gotta say, well, I'm more excited to make any new one since he's dead. No, I'm just Other saying I don't need to see any of those again. I. Uh, ugh. <laughs> well, what I'm most excited about, you know, that we're kind of getting off topic here, but um, no. in the, in relation to that topic, is uh, the Batman '89 comic series. Yes. That kind of disregards the Schumacher movies and, you know, takes place within the Tim Burton series. It's a comic book that they announced a little while ago. I don't know when it's actually coming out. They announced it back in February. I don't remember the if they announced a release date or if they just said it was coming. But oh, July 27th mm. is when it comes out. And so I'm, I'm super excited. Is that about a that. digital first book? Supposedly, but yeah. you know, so was Justice League Last Ride originally. Right, so I think it just right. depends on. And then they look at it and go, "Oh no, this is really good." <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> and finally, we have the announcement um, 
of my adventures with Superman. So they announced all of this stuff, um, I guess Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Just, um, it was you know, a huge... ton of news. It was yeah. a ton of news. And, uh, my adventures with Superman stars Jack Quaid and Alice Lee voicing Superman and, J- and Lois Lane. Um, looks maybe a little bit more, um, family friendly, you know, uh, in nature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network, uh, later this year as well. I'm yeah, excited. I haven't heard anything about that one? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed for all the content that's coming to HBO Max. Yeah, me yeah, too. That's exciting. I mean, you know, we, we got the announcement that Titans season three is coming uh, in August. That means I've got to finish watching Titans season yeah. two. Yeah, I, I only got halfway <laughs> through Titans season two. I need yeah. to jump back to it. Uh, you know, the format of Titans season two was frustrating to me. It yeah. was that, uh, you know, they had this. Current thread, story thread, and then flashback episode, and they yeah. would alternate every and, other episode. And that that took me right out, and it just felt yeah. less urgent to watch. Kind of like how I haven't finished Doom Patrol season two yet. Yeah, well, I haven't uh, even started know, Doom Patrol season. two. I haven't finished enough. Doom Patrol season two either. And I, mean, it's not I for, love season one. Yeah, well, and it's not that I dislike season two. It's just I, I just didn't feel urgent. And you know, the problem is, is that like my my read pile. <laughs> I've got a watch yeah. pile over there too that I got to find time. What I need is the flu. I need to catch the flu, no, so don't. I've got some time to sit nope. in front of the TV. Knock on wood. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, Take some I time start... off of work. Healthy time off of work. <laughs> I have no idea when the series was made, but I started a new series on uh, Amazon Prime called uh, Counterpart. Hmm, it was uh, starring J.K. Simmons as the main character. He's in everything. <laughs> he is. <laughs> It's a sci-fi series, though, where sometime oh, during... Yes, I have heard of this. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah. Continue. Sometime during the uh, the Cold War, they open a portal to an alternate reality, but it's kept secret from people, and there's an organization that tries to keep that secret, but people will cross over. So J.K. Simmons plays himself twice. Well, plays his character two different ways. Mm-hmm. Is it good? First episode was it? really good. You've only watched the first episode? Yeah, I've only watched the first episode, but it was really good. Yeah, you know, I I, I feel like I have f- flipped a channel and seen that somewhere, uh, so I'm vaguely aware, but I'll check it out. You hmm. know, I'll put, I'll put that on the watch pile. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll check it out. So when Aaron gets the flu, he'll yeah. check it out. When I've got pneumonia, uh, that's when I'll watch it. <laughs> but pneumonia, it gets worse. <laughs> but I've got the Black Plague. That's right. Uh, <laughs> when I'm well, down I, with syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say what you will about masks. I didn't get pneumonia last year. <laughs> you know, I went, to, I went to Costco last night for the first time since the mask mandate was taken off, right? And Costco is one of those places that says we're not requiring people to wear masks. And I have been a hardcore mask wearer since all of this began. But now that the CDC says that, you know, if you've got all your vax, you don't have to wear a mask. I went mask free in Costco last night and I am literally the only person in the entire store without a mask on. Yeah, and it feels it, weird, doesn't it? It's like, well, oh, and it feel, I? I mean, I'm like, I'm looking around going, you know, I've been to Costco a number of times during the pandemic and this is by far the most mask compliant crowd I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's more compliant. I've noticed the same thing. Eric. Yeah. It's more compliant now than it was when the mandate was in yeah. place. I was just like, where have all you people been? You know, because every time I was wearing a mask, it seemed like I was the only guy wearing a mask. I, I, it's weird. It's weird, Paul. <laughs> it's weird. Well, you know, hopefully 
you didn't find this week's issue of Wonder Girl weird. God, I love this book. Uh, <laughs> so Wonder Girl issue one came out this week, you know, kind of restarting the um, the Wonder Girl or I guess it was Wonder Woman yes. in Future State. So I guess this is kind of the origins of that Wonder Woman uh, written by Joelle Jones. I think uh, she wrote and uh, did the art on it. Yep. And so what do you guys think of this book? Well, it's it sounds like Aaron loved it. I, you yeah. know, the artwork is amazing. The visual storytelling in this book is amazing. And it's not just the inks, it's the coloring as well. I, I, I am stunned at how adept Joelle Jones is at both in her textual narrative and her visual storytelling. This book is next level in its presentation. It's yeah. I, yeah. I, it is, it, it feels like, um, if you guys remember when Batgirl came out and mm-hmm. uh, J J Williams the third, mm-hmm. I think J H Williams the third, something like that. Um, you know, the art in that book just felt like you were reading a graphic novel that you were reading art, <laughs> um, literature, literature, and that's well, how this book feels. It is yeah. so so beautiful. You know, it, and it also has different art styles, right? Because this guy flashes to like the Greek gods and things, and they're done in completely different art styles. On uh, when they go to Themyscira in areas, the art style is slightly different than it is following the character in modern day. I I really appreciated that. Yeah, and, and there, just the whole art style. I I really like the art style. There is there is a reminiscence there is something familiar about this and in, in the way she is telling this story and it reminds me very much of George Perez's take on Wonder Woman you know in the very this is some serious shit we're doing here right and the very hyper detailed character drawings as well as backgrounds uh, I'm not saying that that she's aping George Perez. I'm saying that there is a similarity there in approach. Uh, I, I just I've kind of I I thought George Perez did a remarkable job in his visual storytelling on his Wonder Woman books, but I felt like his because he wrote those as well. Um, I never felt like his storytelling in the narrative uh, was as uh, proficient. And yet, I feel like Joel Jones is, I mean, just blowing the doors off with this story. I, yeah. I, I, it had a sense of time, it had a sense of place, and I immediately connected with the characters. I have one complaint about the guided view. Oh, there, the yeah. one page that doesn't turn uh-huh. that pissed that's, me off. That's exactly it. It's a two-page spread that, in the digital version, that spread is vertical. Yeah. And it should be horizontal. And I and, think and, the, I think the reason it wasn't is it's I don't think it's a two page spread. I think when that comic was produced, that is a one page that was done horizontally intentionally because right. you can turn a comic, right. and Comicsology just published it as a normal vertical page. And, and what I did yeah. to read it because I was getting super irritated and I didn't want to have to go in and change my Comicsology settings. Uh, I, I screen printed it. <laughs> <laughs> right corrected it and then uh you know read it that way because it was driving yeah, but you could just crazy. swipe down from the top and and scroll lock your your uh yeah i turn my ipad sideways yeah you can scroll lock your ipad like if i'm holding the ipad up and i turn it sideways it'll like flip it and it won't work but if i leave it sitting flat and turn it sideways 
It worked. You guys are overcomplicating it. If <laughs> there is just if you swipe down from the top right, if there's I a little s- lock with a circle on it, and that locks your your um your your whatever your whether you're in portrait or landscape, it just locks your view. I don't see what you're talking. And about. then you can turn it. Yeah, I don't see what you're talking about either. Really? It's yeah. when you swipe down, oh, you see your power. Yeah, I see it. And, oh, I see your, it now. Do, do not disturb setting. That locks your your portrait. Oh, I'll be damned. Look at I that. literally have never seen that screen before right Same. now. <laughs> Look at that. Hey, dear listener, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but I will say, you know, that that's a comicsology thing. As far as Joel Jones and DC Comics and everyone involved in this book, Jordi Belair and, and the rest, I would say this is literally the perfect first issue of a comic book. Yeah, it was really um, good. Super yeah, strong. I, Writing, art, cover, everything was fantastic about this. I have no idea why I love this character so much. Every page, though, that she is on, the dialogue, the personality, I just love this character. And I can't actually point to why. I don't know what mental tricks they're doing to make me love this character. But I I don't know. Whatever they're doing, they're doing the same thing in Nightwing with Nightwing and Barbara Gordon and Nightwing's dog. Because every character in this book is just, well, you know. And it's a love letter to Tim Drake. Yeah. That's why I got so excited. Oh, and it's funny. I it's I legit so had laugh out loud moments in this book. Well, and I got to tell you, I re- had to relook at the um, artist page because uh-huh. I could have sworn this was uh, Michael Janine mm-hmm. um, just based on the art style. But no, it's Bruno Redondo. Uh-huh. And Bruno Redondo is the guy who did the Injustice books, which don't get me wrong, had great art, but it did, they didn't have this imaginative art style, right. you know, with, you know, um, yeah, Barbara he's using a, com- using a completely different style. Yeah, and it's so good. It is so good. The facial, like the the scene where the um, detectives are interrogating Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson, is just yeah. laugh out loud funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I gotta tell you, the, the 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 scene that just killed me is when Tim Drake shows up, and yeah. and you know earlier in the story, Nightwing had gotten his wallet stolen as he was walking around as Dick Grayson. And he's like, hey, you know, Tim Drake says, hey, Batman wanted me to give you something. It's a wallet chain. It makes it means kids can't steal your money. And as an added bonus, you confront a soft metal band in the early 2000s. I fucking laughed my ass off. It was hysterical. And Nightwing's like, I am never going to live this down, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Batman sent you a wallet chain. (laughs) I just love seeing Nightwing and Robin together Uh going through the city. Like I've always loved those panels where they're doing conversations, Mm -hmm. but the conversations are swinging through the city, landing on trains. Avoiding tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, Tom Taylor is DC's secret weapon right now. He really is. And they need to do everything they need to do to keep that guy happy because between, you know, this book, the Injustice books, he's doing the upcoming Superman book starring Jonathan Kent. Like, Tom Taylor is is DC's main writer right now. He's your main writer as far as a draw because it's not Bendis. Joel Jones is still a little bit new on the the, the table, but you know, Tom Taylor is also doing that Batman the Detective book, which I'm enjoying. So hold on to that dude because you know he, he you don't want to let him go. You know I was uh, intrigued by the uh, back page, you know, listing what's coming out later this month, and you know we've got all the milestone books. You know, Milestone Returns. You've got uh, Static. You've got Hardware, and you've got Icon and Rocket, and they say they're all coming out in May. So Paul. 
What's coming out next week? Well, next week is actually a fifth week. Um, so we are getting some unusual books. Uh, some, you know, I shouldn't say unusual books, but we're getting, you know, kind of um, lots of one shots or, or miniseries. So uh, we get the continuation of Beta Ray Bill from Marvel Comics, continuation of Heroes Reborn, also from Marvel Comics. Um, from DC Comics, we get new issues, new issues of Action Comics and Robin. Um, but the primary releases from DC are going to be The Other History of the DC Universe, issue four as well as Stargirl Spring Break Special, written by Jeff Johns, art by Fred Hembick, Todd Nauk, and Jerry Ordway. Um, from IDW Publishing, we get The Last Ronin, issue three of five. And, uh, you know, Wayne and I read Valiant's uh, you know, new relaunch of Shadow Man. Enjoyed the first issue from Cullen Bunn and John Davis Hunt, and issue two comes out next week. Hmm. So no, so no milestone, huh? No milestone. Yeah, there's only one of the milestone books. Maybe digitally. Made. Yeah, Milestone Returns is the only one that says May. The others are June and July. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if they're just doing that digitally. Uh, yeah, possibly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. Fine. I guess I'll return next week and read some not Milestone books. <laughs> some not Milestone books. Yeah. And so we'd like to know what you're, what you're not reading, too. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media. Oh, hold on. I have to be angry about it. You can also hit us up on social media, <laughs> IOM Geek, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. all right guys we'll do it all again next week without milestone (laughs) no milestone next week but you know we'll we'll talk about it all right well have a good one (laughs) (laughs) podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.